Welcome back to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. I am your host, Christy Code Red. Hello. Are you digging my new mohawk color? It is red. And people are like, Christy Code Red, that's why your mohawk is red. <laughs> no, it's just because this is a sick color. I mean, yes, when I originally became Christy Code Red back in 2002, with my first boxing match, I had red hair and that's how my name came to be because I was in nursing school at the time and I had red hair. And so my sister Carrie came up with code red and it has stuck, but, and I've been every color. So this is just one of the many colors I want to try. And I came from, I went from purple to that. I had purple root that faded into a hot pink tip. And now I'm doing uh, this dark red root that fades into a bright red tip. It's sick. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. The one thing I'm comfortable with, I found out, is change. That's the one thing that I am comfortable with. You guys, uh, we get a lot of ratings and reviews, and I want you to know that I appreciate them so very much. This one comes in five stars from Jamie Deepy or Dippy, D-I-P-I. I don't know however you would pronounce that. She says, more inspired every day. These podcasts are the perfect refresh and reminders for me to keep on track. The best. Thank you, Jamie. Also from Rebel Kelly, right on target. Five stars. Always up front and telling it like it is. Thank you for my health back. Florida Deb at 67 says, Rebel, inside and out. Thank you for always coming up with topics that make me feel like you're speaking directly to me. You keep me laser focused and pick me up when I stumble. Commuting into and from work has never been so great. Oh, Deb, the best way to start my day. Thank you for changing me inside and out. What wonderful, wonderful ratings and reviews. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for stopping what you're doing and filling out a rating and review on the Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle podcast. We are ranked pretty high among all podcasts in the United States. Last time I heard, we were number 250 out of almost 900,000 podcasts in the United States. Wow. That's something you can hang your hat on. Wow. And it's all because of you. So thank you. Thank you. Today's episode, we're talking about success stories and I've got four guests. Okay. Dan, Debbie, Yvonne, and Brittany, four guests that you're going to hear from who have had tremendous health and healing and success on the Code Red Lifestyle. And you'll listen. I mean, everybody thinks weight loss, weight loss. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm categorized as a weight loss expert. But you'll notice from these guys, when you hear from them, that weight loss is so far down the list of things that the, the benefits that they experienced from taking their life back. You'll see that, you know, that Yvonne lost her brother to obesity and she knew that she was headed down that same path. She lost her brother. Her brother died of obesity-related complications that he could have prevented had he known about Code Red sooner. Uh, you'll hear from Brittany, who's a nurse practitioner, who actually went to nurse practitioner school because she wanted to learn how to heal herself because traditional medical doctors were not giving her the answer. She knew something wasn't right, and she wanted to do something about it. You're going to hear from Dan, who's a Navy veteran, a husband, a father, 56 years old, and was having had cancer and was having prostate problems in his early 50s. And he was strict vegan for six years. Then he got sicker and fatter and sicker and fatter until he was made fun of by some buddies at work. And um, he just couldn't do it anymore. He knew something was wrong. And you're going to hear from Debbie, who is a leader for us. And Debbie was absolutely humiliated on a plane. She was 305 pounds trying to fit into an airplane seat and couldn't get the seatbelt. So she tried to just tuck the seatbelt in to where it didn't look like 
you know, it wasn't buckled, but she didn't want anybody to know it wasn't buckled because she didn't want to ask for the seatbelt extender. And that was her start to losing 155 pounds on Code Red. These are just grab a tissue. You're going to see that they are real heartfelt and very emotionally moving. You'll see that I was moved in a couple of them, and I know you will be too. And it's nice that we could combine all four of these stories into one podcast for variety, and it's really great. So I'll see you guys soon. Enjoy this podcast. I'm Christy Code Red, and you're listening to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle where we believe food holds the power to heal or poison, and we believe our society has been misled regarding proper nutrition and weight loss. You're in the right place if you're looking for some straight up truth, because I'm here to shed light on the lies and brainwashing that has taken place over the past five decades. Thanks so much for listening. And my low was 2018, September started. My husband and I went to Boston for our honeymoon after 35 years of marriage we decided it was time for honeymoon and getting on the airplane at 313 pounds I knew was going to be a struggle but I didn't realize how small the seats were I hadn't flown in years and so on the plane we got and of course the seat belt won't buckle and I'm like well I'll just kind of sit here and pretend like it's buckled and Dick said your seatbelt won't buckle And immediately I was embarrassed. So I said, no, but it'll be okay. I'll just sit here quietly. And he said, no. So he got up and he went and asked the stewardess for an extender because I couldn't. I vowed in that moment that I was done. I was never going to let that happen again. What an embarrassment for him because I couldn't speak up to say, look, my butt's too big to fit in this seat. Can we have a seatbelt extender? So we went on our honeymoon and I struggled. I had joint pain. I had type 2 diabetes. I struggled with AFib. So going to Boston in October where it's humid and hot or cold, depending, I knew would be a struggle anyway because I the heat bothered my AFib. Activity bothered my AFib. Sometimes just living bothered my AFib. So I didn't know what kind of time we were going to have, but I vowed to make it the best. So I would always be the last one on the bus so that nobody had to wait for me to struggle up three steps to get on the bus. And I would be the last one off the bus so that nobody had to wait for me. And Dick was so patient and he would just wait at the door for me and help me off the stairs. And it had just become a way of life. And I had decided I was done. So let me just interrupt you. For those of us who are not uh, in the medical community, can you explain to us what AFib is and what when you say it bothers you, what can you tell us what that oh, means? Sure, sure. Sorry. So atrial fibrillation, just In my instance, it's different for everybody if you have it. And in my instance, I could tell when an episode was coming on. And what that meant is that my heart rate would go up to anywhere from 280 to 312 and stay there and then just stop and then go back up and then just stop. So, and the heat, I learned that the heat really bothered that. So I had just learned to know when my lips would tingle and I'd be like, okay, this isn't good. I need to go take some deep breaths, whatever. So anyway, so I just didn't know what that would mean on our vacation. So we made it through that 10 days. I got home and I thought, okay, something's got to happen. Well, I just started a new job off to a meeting. We go in Boise to the Boise center. The elevator was out. 
the escalator was out. Guess where our meeting rooms were? On the top. Oh, no. So again, here I am with all these people that I respect in this new job. And I love my new job. And I love the people I work with. And yet I have to go up four or five, six stories to the meeting rooms. And how am I going to do that? So I one step at a time and I made sure I was the last one. And again, I was just so embarrassed by, I didn't want pity. I blamed my knees. I blamed my AFib when the reality was it was just the weight that I was packing around. That's the reality. So when I got home, long story short, I had joined a 21 Unstoppable Influence Challenge 21 Day. Natasha and Heather Quizzle were going to be speaking in Boise. So I said to Dick, I need to go. I just need to hear Natasha. I didn't know at that point that Christy Code Red was going to be there. And so when I walked in that night and they introduced Christy Code Red and I was like, hmm, bonus. Well, then when you got up and spoke, and I'm not kidding, you were speaking to me. Mm. You spoke of a life that I had envisioned, but didn't even realize I could live. And so after hearing you that night, we got in the car to drive back to Twin Falls. And I said to Dick, I got to do that. And he couldn't quit talking about Christy Code Red and what, how she had changed people's lives. And, and I don't know why I have tried every diet on the earth from A to Z, you name it, been there, done that in 59 years of my life. I've been overweight since second grade. I remember being 15, going to the doctor, and he put me on a low-carbohydrate diet. No ketchup. That's the only thing I remember. We lived on a farm. We had ketchup on everything. (laughs) And here I was, a kid that couldn't eat ketchup anymore, right? But never once did he talk about the sugar influence. It wasn't the sugar. It was carbohydrates. But we lived on a farm. We cooked from wheat and all that good stuff. So. Literally, I have struggled with my weight all my life until January 3rd, 2019, when I took my life back with Christy Code Red. This is incredible. Did you start with the book or did you start right with the challenge? I bought the book. I started reading the book. I bought the Audible. I listened to the Audible every day. I would wake up to you on Instagram every morning and listen to what you had to say on Instagram. And joined the the January 3rd challenge that then got pushed to the 14th. But I was all in January 3rd. That's when my challenge started. And then you went on to get a custom program. I did. Like 10 days in, I sat down with Dick. And here, I mean, it was a tough conversation to have because I'd spent, I did isogenics. I spent $2,000 a month on isogenics that didn't work. And so to have a conversation with Dick now that I want to spend more money on his custom program. And he said, I have no doubt you're going to do it. You're so different this time, all in. You're either going to do it. And that's when the, there's no try. You're either going to do it or you're not. And if you're going to do it, then let's do it all in. So all in, I went. Why was it resonating with you this time? What was it about Code Red or me or the book or something, or it just was good timing? Honestly, no bullshit. Yeah. And you scare me a little. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I said, you know, there's something about it. And I tell everybody that I have been able to influence. If you've never met Christy, you need to go meet Christy. 
because she is what she is. There's no bullshit. There's no, you don't beat around the bush. And I think that's what I needed. I needed the accountability. I needed somebody to know that I had to check in every week. And I started with Sean and Mindy Brown, who lives, you know, two and a half miles from me. And I was convinced they were going to stop in my house and look at my pantry at any given moment. <laughs> How soon after you started, did you start to feel relief and results and know that your body was healing? I'd like to say almost immediately because I don't remember. I went from feeling sluggish, lethargic, no energy to, oh my God, I love life again. And working, so where I work, their break room was like a Costco, literally. And every time I'd walk to the printer, there's a bowl of candy that sat right on the, and so July to October, every time I walked to the printer, it was like, oh, well, that one's got for me. So I would have a bite of candy on the way back to my office. January 3rd, when we went back to work after the holiday, that candy meant nothing to me. I stayed out of the break room unless I absolutely had to go in there. And I got the mentality that if it doesn't have Debbie's name on it, it's not Debbie's. And now you're stealing from the company. Mm. And you know what? There were never any little Debbie snacks or anything else. Mm. So there was nothing that had my name on it. Right. And you said you were battling type two. And so when you went back into your doctor, did your doctor just flip out? Yeah. Well, and, and the good news is, is that my doctor in the beginning supported Code Red. Oh, good. I mean, I had Mindy Brown on my side anyway, Mm -hmm. but then my family doctor also knew about Code Red. Was she all in? No, but at least she knew about it and she knew that that's what I was doing. And so she was not a bit surprised to see my numbers go down. My triglycerides since, and there again, I remember being 15 and that was the one thing they were concerned about was my high triglycerides. Nobody knew why, but they were in the 300s, Christy. And now 83. (laughs) Let's see. It was 2007, opened my own practice and doing bioidentical hormone replacement. That was my first one in 2008. And was, you know, changing women's lives and balancing their hormones and really just channeling in on that. But then there were women who weren't really getting better that weren't responding to the hormones and were still overweight and still couldn't get it dialed in. So then my first book I read was Dr. Perlmutter, The Grain Brain. That one was a super meaty book. I just fell in love with him. And that was my whole beginning in more metabolic medicine, learning how to fix the body and heal it from the inside out a little bit more because I was missing the boat on just hormones. I could hormones, I can do them all day long. So had a couple years in between where I kind of quit doing hormones, just some life changes happened. And then 2015, I believe I started back up, but also realized that I still need to do fix the gut because I was learning more from Dr. Perlmutter than I read Dr. William Davis, you know, the wheat belly. So those were the two biggest ones. Then I got into Dave Asprey and biohacking and reading these incredible books on insulin resistance and learning so much more because we'd been trained so differently on diabetes and let's give them metformin and insulin and they're not insulin deficient. They already have a ton of insulin, which I prove by doing all the lab work, which is so awesome that it's something tangible. So I started doing, let's see, I started my practice that I have now, metabolic medicine, and started really working on healing the gut. Of course, we can do all these extravagant labs. They're expensive. 
but it still wasn't really getting to the crux of the issue because they can't fix anything. Oh, well, this is after thousands and thousands of dollars on advanced cardiometabolic um, studies, advanced nephrology, all of this. And I have another, like a diplomat status in American Academy for Anti-Aging for metabolic medicine. I spent probably $10,000 on this extra education. And at the end, it all came down to, I cannot fix one single thing on any of these people unless I fix what they put in their mouth. And it just, it didn't matter. If I can't help them with that, their autoimmune disease won't heal, their diabetes won't heal, their hypertension won't heal, nothing, their brain won't heal. So that started the path on ketogenic diets. I have every gadget, breath ketone monitors, blood ketone monitors, blood sugar monitors, peeing on strips, anything you could imagine and still didn't lose a single pound. So then we did fasting, intermittent fasting, then comes in Dr. Jason Fung, who is another one of my heroes, you know, and the fasting guru got to meet him and Megan Ramos and was just thrilled to death. They're just incredible. And so doing fasting, intermittent fasting, up to 72 hour fast, still didn't lose a pound. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. So then the picture that you see um, in my before and after, it was so humiliating and so embarrassing. After a 22 year break in service, I came back to the military to get commissioned. And that was the day that I officially was commissioned. And my dad was there and everyone was there, but I was nothing fit. I did not have a single thing in my closet except fat scrubs that fit. It was, I didn't, I'm like, what the hell, what happened? Like, I just, I don't even know what happened. I weighed, when I started the challenge, January, 2019, I weighed 150 pounds, mortified. I'd always weighed 134 all my life, whether I was skinny, fat, or, you know, fit, didn't matter. So let's see. Then I was, um, so after those, I didn't even post those pictures on the internet of, to celebrate that day. Cause I was so embarrassed about how I looked. It was terrible. So then I went up to the base and these flight nurses that I had seen were really overweight. I was kind of surprised. So probably within a six month period, I kept seeing them and I'm like, wow, they're kind of shrinking, you know, what's going on. And they shared with me that they had been doing code red and of course, yeah, great. Okay. Another gimmick diet. Awesome. Cause I'm not going to do that in my clinic or share that. So then I'm not one to ever not research something because one thing I found in my profession is there's no room for not being humble and not having humility because as soon as the ego comes in or any arrogance, you're humbled so quickly and it's usually not very pretty. My humblings aren't pretty. So I, I'd rather just come to the plate humble. So I did some research, told my nurse who's in my business with me, I said, let's just, let's try this. And it was the January challenge and lost 10 pounds. We both did that month. And I thought, you know, why can't I just keep going? Because I never felt like I was really where I wanted to be pretty much ever. And so then I bought the custom program and then finished losing the, the 25 pounds. I was going to make my goal 134 because that's what I always was. And then I thought, well, why limit myself? I'm putting a limit on me. So I made it 128 and you agreed with it. And it's like, hmm, all right, well, guess here we go. And then I got down to 125 because it just keeps going because then it's body comp. It's like, well, I got a little more here. You know, I could lose. And, and then, then life happened a little bit. So I probably stayed right at 130 then went to military training that next January, came back with about seven pounds extra on. We had the most horrible chlorinated water every day that we had to drink. It was, the smell was so strong. It was horrible. 
when we could finally get stuff ordered in, I got the Ultima and I would sneak it in. Hope nobody's going to watch this. I, we would sneak it in. It's the only thing that, that helped. And then the food, the only oil they had, they didn't have butter. The oil they had was this orange grill shortening. It was horrible. So I came home and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm certainly above where I want to be. And I know me. And the amazing thing about Code Red is it's reproducible. And in my business, I want stuff that's reproducible that I can get the same results every single time. Came back, got on maintenance, went back to my custom program numbers. And because I knew I needed that accountability, which is amazing to have, which Code Red provides a phenomenal resource for that. And then the weight comes off and now I'm in maintenance and still on accountability because I know I need to be, I'm not mentally, it's not ingrained yet. I tend to push the boundaries a little bit. So being accountable for me and being accountable to my patients is phenomenal. All my patients are taught Code Red. I mean, it's, you can provide them, Code Red provides them, that community provides them far more than what I ever can as a single person. So here I am at, what is it, 188 in 1990. And by 1990, probably 1995, when I got out of the Navy, I'm uh, 245 pounds again as a vegan. So I went away. I I did some training in a post-secondary for a year when my first was born. And I I learned marine construction. And and I look at pictures there, and I've got this great big belly I'm wearing, busting out of my bib overalls at 247 pounds. Injured my knee. I think I wrote this to carry a meniscus tear in my knee. I end up on disability for three months, had to wait for surgery. I go into rehab and I'm, I want to say 250, 260 pounds. And I'm in the, you know, part of rehab when they're trying to get your knee working again and gradually building up the weight you can carry, you talk to them about the kind of work you do and they try to simulate it in the room, is a sit down about nutrition. And the lady who's conducting the meeting is talking about nutrition. And then she talks about vegetarians and vegans and how, you know, their diets aren't sustainable, you know, and you know, the whole B12 thing that cliche or scripted type stuff, you know, and this is not what we're talking about now anyways, one or the other. And then I put my hand up because I'm thinking I got to defend being a vegan, right? I put my hand up and she says, yeah. And I said, actually, I'm vegan. And everybody's like, yeah, right. And I said, no, I'm vegan. I've been vegan for, what was it, six years by that point, seven years. And everybody's like, no. And the guys that I was hanging out with during rehab were like, no way. And I said, yeah, I'm vegan, strict vegan. No meat, no dairy, no eggs, no. And the guy looks at me, the guy I was good buddies with, and he looks at me and he says, you are the fattest vegetarian I have ever seen. Oh, Dan. And of course, <laughs> kind of breaks my heart now to say it, but you know, the, we've talked about this, these defense mechanisms we build to get ourselves through those situations. My response was, I'll take that as a compliment. Because I know it was meant as a compliment. That's what his heart was trying to be complimentary. But mine was broken. Mm -hmm. So that was 25 years ago. You know, my son was a year old. So I kept teaching my kids those habits, teaching my kids the stopping for coffee, teaching my kids the, you know, grab something on the way out of town, stop at the gas station, the bags of chips, the 
I just kept teaching. I feel, you know, responsible for that. Um, all those bad habits that they adopted, you know, all because of my, what I know now, my emotional reaction to stress and to urgency and, and all those things around got to eat in case I'm going to be hungry. Go ahead. So Dan, let me just ask you real. So was there ever a point where you said, Hey, I'm vegan, but I'm way overweight and I don't feel good. Did you ever question the vegan lifestyle? And actually, it, it happened in about 2004. 2004, I moved here to Port Angeles, Washington. And uh, the guy, my boss, Bruce, was an avid um, sportsman, fisherman, always talking about fish. And I'd always said, kind of in the back of my mind, if I ever go back, I'm going to go back to fish. And if I ever go back to fish, I'm going to go back to wild-caught fish. So Bruce is always bringing these fish in and I'm working in a bit in an industry that has commercial fishermen and they're always, you know, giving you the extra fish as they're unloading freezers, you're working on their boats. And uh, one day Bruce says, uh, you know, they had the donut Fridays, you know, and I didn't participate in the donut Fridays for the first couple of years because I was vegan. And then one day I'm looking at this salmon on the barbecue and uh, he said, you should try some. And I said, did you catch it? You know, I was qualifying, trying it. I didn't want it from the store, right? And he said, yeah, I caught it this weekend. And I tried it and I thought, I just took a little tiny bite. And I thought, that's good. And I said, what's that other one? And it was, uh, it was black cod. And I don't know if you ever had black cod, but it's a oily, rich fish. And I took a piece about, I don't know, you know, the size of uh, a forkful. And it was pretty intense. But I liked it. And then I didn't probably touch it for a few more months. And then there was a big festival in town here and they had barbecued salmon on the grill. And, uh, and it looked good. Like my heart said, I want that. This barbecued salmon, you know, crispy on the surface and everything. And so I said, that was like 2007, maybe 2008, something like that. Seven. And uh, so I ordered it at the barbecue, big fundraising barbecue, and I had it and it was delicious. And from that point on, I said, okay, I'm going to eat wild caught, local caught fish or fish from the commercial guys when they bring it in, that sort of thing. I wasn't going to go out, you know, eat it from the store and that sort of thing. So I did that. I went back to fish a few years before I went back to dairy and years and years before I went back to eggs. But it was at that moment where I was looking at Bruce and Bruce was eating paleo at the time. And he's telling me all about it. I'm like, yeah, I got it. I'm vegan. I've got the answer. 250, 260, 270 pounds. So that here's the moment. But a good friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, I love him, draws this picture. You see that? Yeah. And he hands it to me and he says, do you know what that is? And I said, no, no idea. He said, that's Dan hiding behind a telephone pole. Oh. <gasps> Dan, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I love the guy. And I laughed. And uh, my family knows these stories, or at least my Kim and the kids do. And it was at that moment where I kind of went, oh man, what a, this is just not right. And then I began to kind of try. You know, this was probably 2010, maybe, 20, maybe, maybe 2009. And I tried. I tried to watch my food. I said to Kim, you know, we got to keep this out of the house. We got to keep that out of the house. I didn't know. 
I didn't know. I was there was an East Indian restaurant in town. I'd go get East Indian food at lunch, and I would pack it in in 15 minutes on my half hour lunch break. And I love Indian food, vegetarian, right? And uh, I just pack it in the the lentils, the chickpeas, the puri, which is the deep fried bread, chapatis, and samosas, and you know all that kind of stuff, which is all just packing it in. And I kept thinking I could change something about, you know, and I, I tried running again. I tried different. It just, I didn't know what it was that I needed to change about me. I knew I ate too much quantity wise, but I didn't know why. And I didn't know how much was too much. Well, your medical, the medical things started kicking in about this time. So right around that time is when I, uh, you know, I talked to you about the, the basal cell carcinoma started to emerge in about 2009, 2008. I'd had some other issues, a carpal tunnel, and I had benign prostate hyperplasia. We had just fought the house that we're in right now. So I'm 2009, so I'm 44 years old. Middle of February, I get into bed, got to get up and pee. Get into bed, got to get up and pee. I mean, like 11 times in the night. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? You know, I thought bladder infection or whatever. I didn't know. So I fought with it for a couple of days. And I mean, as a 44-year-old guy, you know, needing to pee every three minutes is not something you can get away with too easy. So I'm calling in sick and stuff. So I call the doctor. The doctor sends me to urologist. I call him Dr. Jellyfinger. Checks me out for the enlarged prostate. You know, explains, does a PSA test. PSA test is clear. He says, yep. You got an enlarged prostate, you're going to have to be on prostate meds. Gives me the whole discussion on what the future holds for me and everything. He prescribes a couple of different things, and I end up landing on doxasosin as my medication that I've been on for the last 11 years. Well, 10 and a half years until May. Mm. Now, in May, I don't have my numbers in front of me, Christy, but I think I was like 200 and 47 well i started my i started really let's say 250 pounds you know i started code red at 305.6 so i think i was 250 pounds and i was really always bad at refilling my prescriptions like oh shit excuse me um, i'm out so if it's i'm at home no big deal go to the pharmacy get it and i was always going to the pharmacy thinking oh i hope it's renewed right Hope I don't have to call the doctor and go back in for another inspection to find out if I still need the medicine. You have to do that every couple of years. So uh, it turned out we went out of town. And four days into being out of town, I said to Kim, I forgot my prescription. I haven't taken it for four days. She says, well, how do you feel? And I said, I'm okay. Well, we're going to be home tomorrow. So I'll get it tomorrow. I get home and busy. You know, it's summer or not summer. It's spring. We're, you know, kind of getting outside and everything. And and I forget, and I forget, and I forget. I don't know if I forget or if I was just redirected, but I didn't forget because I didn't have to go pee. Mm. It wasn't reminding me that I needed my medication. So I go a week, and I go two weeks, then I go three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, and it's been May. I think this is April 4th was the renew, ref, refill or May 1st or something like that. Anyways, May, June, July, August. No, it was April. It was April. April on there. So four months drinking 100 and actually 175 ounces of water. And then now I'm down to 150. 
I drink two good cups of coffee a day. First one's usually like an espresso. And uh, it's just not there. I just don't have it. Now, I've lost tons uh, in my gut. I mean, I lost tons. Here's a prop for you. This is the belt that I had to buy when the belt I had was too small. And I'll put it on for you. Just around. This is the hole I was at when I bought it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So you've lost, I mean, I'm looking at you. You look phenomenal. You've lost 70. 115 pounds today. Oh, my gosh. You had immediate and sudden onset of this massive swelling. There's immediate and sudden onset of this severe abdominal pain that would also cause optical blindness, these optical migraines that would cause these temporary blindness. You had to move to be closer to the hospital. You have numerous emergency surgeries. They took out your gallbladder. They misdiagnosed you with pancreatitis, or maybe you had it, but that wasn't. And they that wasn't the cause. And nobody was talking about your food and nobody was, and you're just, you, now you're massively swollen. You don't feel good ever. And it's just completely taken over your life to where you're almost losing your job. So yes. this is severe, severe things happening to your life at such a young age. And um, I forgot to tell you. So in, it was 2014 at the very end, my husband was burned in a house fire. So I stopped my job to take care of him because he couldn't even do anything for himself. Cause it was 20% of his 20% of his body was burned. So when he finally got better, it was like two days later, my brother was put on life support. Oh. This is my heart. He was put on life support because of complications of obesity. Mm. And I don't care what people tell you. Doctors ignore what they don't like to address. It's uncomfortable. And I have proof of that, but I'll tell you that in a minute. So my brother went on life support on Christmas day, 2014. I am the closest family member to where he's living. So my husband had just been released to go in public because of the burns had healed enough. Cause you know, ICU hospitals are the worst place. That's where you're going to get sick. So I went to visit him. And at this point they couldn't, he couldn't respond because they had, made a mistake. They didn't do as simple for, for years. He'd been telling them something's wrong. Something's wrong there. Oh, it's an allergic reaction. They never addressed his weight. My father went to the doctors. Can you tell my son he's overweight? Can you explain all the problems? But they didn't want to be uncomfortable. They wanted to just be friendly and nice. They didn't want to address him, say something that might hurt his feelings. But so you let my brother die. So in the hospital, he went finally to the ER again and they said, Oh, you have sleep apnea. Didn't even address his weight, put him on a sleep apnea machine. Well, they didn't check his O2. They didn't even do simple test, but because he's overweight, there is discrimination period. And because when they put him on a, the CPAP machine and because of his O2 levels, it put his brain to sleep. And that's why they had to put him on life support. And because he was so large, a month later, they couldn't intubate him because you can only keep somebody on life support without a trait for one month. And there's other complications. So there was no way to keep him alive. There was no way to wake him up because the damage had been done. I told him, I said, you killed my brother because one, you wouldn't address the problem. Two, you ignored the problem when he came to the ER 
And three, you'd never told him he had a weight problem. I mean, it was obvious, but the doctors today ignore it because they don't know how to deal with it. So we had to unplug him from life support in January, 2015. So I went to my doctor, my OBGYN and for a checkup. And I said, okay, so, well, what about my weight? And she says, who's a new OB? And she says, well, you really, you know, it's your age. You're not really that overweight. And I said, yes, I am. I said, do you understand? I, my brother just died because of obesity. I said, the doctor, I was crying it off. I said, the doctors would not tell him he was fat. They didn't want to hurt his feelings. She said, the doctor told me, she says, well, patients get mad at me when I tell them that. And I said, I am begging you. I'm begging you. Will you put down that I am obese, overweight? Will you help me? Will you give me medicine? Will you give me something? So she put it down right there in my chart. She showed me that I was obese and she started me on a medication that made me very sick, had very bad side effects, but I lost 12 pounds in about a month, but I still felt sick. I didn't feel better. The pounds. Yeah, that's good. But I gained it back within a year because it didn't resolve the problem. And so like I said, I had the surgery. They took the mass out. It was the same doctor. So he took it out. They thought it was cancer. In the meantime, it was very scary anyway. So they took it out. And then I started that diet and I lost it. Didn't feel better. still had the pain, was still going to my GI doctor. And again, he says, well, you have IBS. And I argued, I argued so much. He got mad at me and fired me as a patient. And then I got humble and said, okay, just tell me what you want me to do. I did everything you told me to do. I still had problems. My stomach would just distend like I was pregnant with twins. The pain was horrible. And at this point, I wasn't eating a lot of food, but I was still gaining weight. I couldn't explain it. I, I was just shocked. I was sick. I was tired. I was sick and tired. I was afraid. You know, I already had a scare with cancer just a few months before. I needed to change something. So. Right before my surgery, I actually run into Katie Huber. You know her. Mm-hmm. So I had known her for years and I saw her. And this was right before my surgery. And of course, I was pretty, pretty big. So I felt pretty comfortable saying this. I said, you've lost weight. And she's like, yeah, she's real quiet. And humble. She's, I've been doing this new thing. She didn't say anything. And then later, I went to a, a convention that she was at. And her family has a business. And we work with them. And they offered us this training that you know about. And you were one of the speakers and you were one of the main things that they focused on. And I was like, huh, maybe God's talking to me because I've been begging, begging, just wanting some solution. And I saw Katie's results. and I was like, hmm. So that was for March 23rd. And I thought, I'm desperate. I can't wait. So I called the office. I said, hey. I know we're going to be meeting this person. You're having the presentation and all that. I said, but I, it's an emergency. I need help. I can't do this anymore. I feel like I'm going to die. I mean, it was horrible. I, I couldn't sleep at night. Oh, and this was the worst. I didn't even tell you this for the past, oh, five, six years. I could not lay down or sit down without being in severe pain. I couldn't stand up or walk after I'd sat. I'd try to walk and it was like, and at work, it was horrible. 
um, because trying to sleep, I couldn't sleep. I would have to stand up. That was, or even running, walking was fine, but sitting and lying down where you rest, couldn't do it. And I also had this annoying (coughs) 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 to the point that people like, excuse me. I said, do you mind waiting? I'm like, no, 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 it's not you. I was about to, I had gone to Mayo Clinic for three years trying to get this cleared up. The stomach cleared up. I gone to specialists. I had surgery to kill the nerve in here to help with the pain because nobody could help me. I mean, that's crazy. Then they were about to, until I got code red, they were going to cut my sinuses and trim everything down because they could not even get a scope in my nose because I was so swollen. Well, now that I know code red, why didn't they check for food allergies, for something I was eating anyway? So I called and I said, I can't wait. What can I do? They said, well, you can get the book. You can watch her on YouTube. You can watch her on Instagram, which I don't have. So I started watching your YouTube and podcasts, listening. If I couldn't watch, I would listen and started just following what you said. In three weeks before May, March 23rd, I'd already lost 11 pounds. I started sleeping through the night. I, two weeks in, no more pain, none, gone. Yes, completely healed. Within two weeks, I stopped. I was on 26 different medications, 26 different things. Plus, that doesn't count the four different kinds of narcotics that I was taking for pain, which didn't help, which that causes other problems when you slow down your system. So two weeks of Code Red, pain-free, no stomach problems, nothing. I felt amazing. Not because I'd lost, because someone had said, oh, it's because you lost 11 pounds, you don't have pain. 11 pounds is not going to help with the fat itself. I was having physical, internal, intestinal, my bones, my joints. I couldn't even like this to lean on a table. I could no way I could do a push-up because my arm was so swollen. I was going to chiropractor three, four times a week. And he would, you know, it was just horrible. I was like someone that was, because my grandmother's 99 years old. So I have to say, have you like a 116 year old person that, cause my grandmother doesn't have a lot of problems, but I was like an old person. And I mean, like really like a hundred or older and code red saved me. It changed my life. I'm able to do my work. And I was a person that I could not, I was so tired. They had diagnosed me at Mayo with What's that chronic pain? It's um, fibromyalgia or whatever. Yeah, fibromyalgia. Yeah, none. No pain, pre-diabetes in two weeks off my medicine. Numbers, normal, everything. I was supposed to go in for surgery for my back. Didn't need it. Everything. And you can imagine my doctor bills, like for one ER visit, it was like $1,600. So I had stopped doing that and I started self Medicaid, legally, medicine that they've given me. But why are they giving me medicine when there is a cure for what was making me sick? Thanks so much for listening to Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle. 
If you're a Code Red Rebel and you haven't already downloaded your free Code Red Lifestyle on the go guide, then now is your time to get a copy. This guide will teach you how to stay Code Red approved even with your crazy life schedule. To get a copy right now, all you need to do is open your podcast app, go to this episode show notes, and click the link to get your Code Red approved on the go guide. So I will see you on the next episode of Rebel Weight Loss and Lifestyle.